Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. It's good to see everybody here this morning. It's always great to start off a new year and be able to, to come and worship together. Uh, this being the first, uh, first Sunday of the new year, I, I felt that this was through my study of, of Paul and Philippians over the last couple of months. I, I felt that this was kind of a, a good place to continue to, to talk on. So hopefully the things that I have to say this morning will be beneficial to you as we go through uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 4 and 13, it says, I can do all things, or Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, or which strengtheneth me. You know, if you were to go out into the, the city of Amarillo today and take a survey of, of the people's favorite verses, this would probably be in the top five, maybe the top three. Many people would say this is their favorite verse. And for the reason that it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when looking at this verse, if we look at it and we pull it out and we read that verse, we can gain a lot of self-confidence from this verse. This verse, if you read it by itself, it tells us that we can do anything through Christ. Really, where does that end? You see, in our society, people love this verse because it can make all of our wildest dreams come true. Anything that we want, anything that we desire can be accomplished through Christ. And that sounds great, doesn't it? It sounds wonderful. If you look at this picture, many of you probably recognize this guy. His name is Tim Tebow, but he was really big because he proclaimed Christ, which was a great thing. He was in a, a position of popularity. Everybody knew him and he talked a lot about Christ. And every time he went and he played a game, he would put Philippians 4.13 on his eye black. You see, he was able to claim victory through Christ Jesus, or at least that's what, he, that's what he thought. And many people in sports do the same thing. They think they can claim victory through Christ. Whatever they set their mind to do, they can do that because Christ will give them the strength to do that. I'm not a big UFC fan, but I don't know much about it, but I did see a guy, he has it tattooed on his chest and I guess you can beat up anybody you want through Christ who strengthens you. You know, we use this verse to give us whatever we want. But it doesn't end just in sports. It's not only a sports thing. I, this kind of comes up because it's ball season and you, you see this a lot. There's a lot of things going on. But even preachers are preaching this. Joel Osteen is one guy, he once said, it is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that if God said you can, you can. Today, why don't you begin to open yourself up to possibilities in your future by simply declaring this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do anything that I set my mind to. Anything that I desire, I can do it through Christ. And that's what's being preached in the religious world today. You know, I'm gonna take some of you, especially you guys, back on a trip in time. There was this cartoon when I was a kid. And some of you guys are, you're gonna say, who, what is he talking about? But there was, this, there was this cartoon and it was called He-Man. And I was probably five years old. So we're talking 33 years ago. So if I get something wrong about He-Man, give me some slack. 
It's been 33 years. But you see, He-Man was this guy and he fought people, bad people, I guess. And He-Man, all he had to do was he was wearing these clothes and he'd hold up his sword and he would say, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. And then he would change into these barbarian clothes all of a sudden and he would go out and he would defeat his enemies. And I kind of feel like this verse is kind of that in the religious world today. I can take this verse and I can declare it and I can accomplish anything I want through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when I think about that, being the new year, I might need to come up with some different resolutions or actually come up with some because I'm not very good at that. But maybe I wanna win the Super Bowl. Maybe I wanna go be, maybe I wanna, after Tom Brady retires after last night, maybe I should go be the quarterback and win the Super Bowl. Maybe I wanna buy this house by the end of the year. My retirement home, because that's the next thing I wanna do. I wanna retire by 2021. I don't wanna work anymore. I can do all things. I know these are extreme examples, but where do we draw the line? Where is that line drawn when it talks about doing all things? And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Is Paul really promising victory or personal success in any endeavor that we set our sights on? Now, I think there are a lot of issues with this interpretation, a lot of problems with this interpretation. And I think one of the most important things that this interpretation does is that it removes the will of God. It removes God's will from what we want to do. It becomes all about us. Verses like James chapter four, verse two, it says, ye lust and ye have not, ye kill and desire to have, ye cannot obtain and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Now listen to this. He says, ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. When we hear somebody proclaiming Philippians 4.13, isn't this what it usually has to do with? Something that they want, something that they desire? It's all about them. I wanna win this game. I can win this game through Christ. I can get this new job through Christ. I can buy that vacation home through Christ. Where do we draw the line? You see, we're taking God's will out of, this, out of the equation here. And it becomes all about us and not about God's will. In 1 John 5, verse 14, he says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. The whole point right there is that if we ask it according to his will, not about us. Too many times Philippians 4.13 is only about us. How can I gain popularity? How can I gain more money? How can I be more comfortable in this life? And we don't consider what God would have us to do. And I think that leads to the idea that this interpretation of this verse pushes us to be self-centered. It pushes us to be all about ourselves and not necessarily about Christ which is what we should be. The fact is, does it really matter to God who wins the national championship? No. We might get some joy out of it, but does it really matter to God? 
does it matter to God if I live in a $500,000 house or a $60,000 house? Doesn't matter to God. Does it matter if I have a job that I really like or a job that I don't necessarily like? Is that what God's concerned with? You see, I think the psalmist in Psalms 119 verse 36 has the right idea here when he says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. When I think of Philippians 4.13 and I think of the way that the religious world views that, to me, that's a view of selfish gain. Not necessarily God's statutes. I wanna thank Danny for kind of pointing me in the direction of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, because I think this really shows exactly what we're talking about here. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, too many times people believe that Philippians 4.13 applies to anything. We could do anything we want. But if it's outside of God's will, if it's really something that isn't a good work according to him, is that what God wants us focusing on? See, this can be a very dangerous verse when taken out of context because it pushes us to be less reliant on God and more about what we want instead of what God wants. I also think that it can be a letdown or a setback. Now, let me throw this situation out to you. Let's just say I am the new quarterback next year and I put on my eye black Philippians 4.13. But I look across the defensive line and I see a linebacker that's ready to take my head off. And he also has Philippians 4.13 on his eye black. Who's gonna win? Who's God gonna choose? And what happens when I put all of my hope, everything, all of my faith in this, that this is gonna be accomplished, this is what's gonna happen, and it doesn't happen, it could be devastating. Where was God? You know, the fact is, is as Christians, we're not promised an easy road. Proverbs 24 and 16, he says, the righteous may fall seven times, but still get up. But the wicked will stumble into trouble. We can be guaranteed as Christians that we're gonna go through things that are tough, that we're gonna have to endure, but the expectation is not that we just give up. You know, if I were to use Philippians 4.13 and I was to declare it and have that as my mindset and that was the truth, I could get through anything. But what happens when that doesn't work? What happens, maybe I lose a faith in God. Maybe it's a setback for me. I think this is a very dangerous way to interpret this verse. So we have to be very careful what we teach and what we understand when it comes to Philippians chapter four and verse 13. And really it all comes down to context. It all comes down to what is Paul actually talking about when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, I'm a meme guy, I told you this once. I think in the last lesson, I'm a high school teacher. So I kind of live here. Memes are a thing. 
I see them all the time. But you see in these two pictures, if, if you can see that, I hope it's big enough. The first one, we see the same phrase as we do in the second one. But if you look at the context surrounding these two things, they mean two totally different things. I'm here for you here is a good I'm here for you. I'm here for you here is a bad one. You don't want any part of that. It's the same thing. It's the same words, but they have two totally different meanings. And I feel that Philippians chapter 4.13 is the same way. When we actually look at the context, what Paul is actually talking about, what he's trying to get across here, it means a totally different thing from what most people in the religious world thinks Philippians 4.13 means. So let's look at that context. If you back up to about chapter 10 of Philippians chapter 4, we kind of get an idea of where Paul is going with this. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. It's a little different when you see the context of what Paul is, is saying here, what surrounds that, where Paul is in his life, as we'll talk about here in just a minute. It quite literally means the opposite of what most people believe it means. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. But does that mean that this verse loses its ability to uplift us? I don't think so. I think if you look at it in its context, it has more power to uplift us and to help us through those tough times in life and those good times in life. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning as we go. So what is Paul teaching about this verse or through this verse? First of all, I wanna think of Paul and I want us to understand where Paul was when he wrote this. You see, Paul wasn't competing for any trophy. Paul wasn't doing anything to accomplish his own personal goals. Paul was sitting in a Roman prison, falsely. He shouldn't have been there being persecuted for his belief in Christ. That's where Paul was. It wasn't about him gaining anything. It was about Christ gaining everything. It was all about Christ. It was all about him being able to endure whatever he had to, to further the gospel. And I think Philippians 1, going back to the first of this, this book, I think we get a good idea of Paul's mindset here when he says in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, this is the ESV, by, by the way, it says that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, this wasn't about Paul gaining anything. It was about the word of God being spread. It was about him using no matter what position he was in, no matter what environment surrounding him, continuing to serve God and making sure that others did the same. See, it was all about Paul understanding that even though he was suffering physically, personally, God's word 
was being spread. The kingdom was advancing. That's what this is about. No matter what we go through, no matter what surrounds us, no matter what happens in our lives, whether good or bad, we can endure those things and we can remain content and faithful to God in those times. You think about Paul and you think about the thorn in the flesh. You look back at Philippians chapter four, where we've read, he he talks about experiencing both hunger and being filled. He talks about a lack of support. He talks about abundance and need. Paul suffered all of those things. Paul went through all of those things. But the fact is, is he could endure anything. He could do anything or endure anything through the strength that he gained from Christ and from serving Christ. And that's what Philippians 4.13 is all about. The fact is, is Paul still endured trials. He still went through so much. I think sometimes when we have this idea of being a Christian, many people think, well, when you become a Christian, things get easier for you. And I think the Bible teaches the opposite. I think we have to give up things that we once did. We have to say no to temptations that that are hard for us to say no to. We have to do things that, We have to take our own time and give it away so we can go serve others. Being a Christian is not the easiest road, but it's worth it. And Paul understood that. Paul understood that he could overcome any trial, anything in his life through Christ. You know, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning verse 22, I'm not gonna read all this. I just wanna pull out a few of these to kind of give you an example of some of the things that Paul endured. You see, Paul didn't just have an easy road, did he? In fact, his road got a lot harder when he became a Christian. He says, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft, of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep. And we could go on and on and on and understand that Paul did not have it easy. His life was not easy, but yet he endured because of his hope in Christ. He endured because that's where his focus was. He had his heart and his mind in the right place. You see, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36, we understand it's all about endurance. As a Christian, it's all about endurance, understanding that times will get tough, things will be hard at times, but we can make it through through the, the strength that Christ gives us, the strength and the hope that comes through Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and 36, it says, "For for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what what is promised. When we endure, when we continue to live a, a life dedicated to Christ and we endure and we make it to the end, we have promises for us. Promises of something far better than what we had to suffer through on this earth. And I think Paul takes it a step further In 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about that thorn in the flesh. And again, we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. We know it was a hindrance to him. We know it was something that he did not want. In fact, in these verses, it says that he asked three times to have that taken away. And the response from, from his response that he got was, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. But I want you to see Paul's outlook here. You see, it wasn't about him at all. 
What does he say? He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wasn't about him, was it? He would suffer whatever he needed to if that showed the power of Christ working through him. Is that how we look at our trials? Is that how we look at the hard times in our lives as an opportunity to show Christ? I'm always amazed at the people who are suffering through some horrible illness or who have lost a loved one who are able to remain faithful. And you see that and you see Christ working through them. And that's such an uplifting thing for us. That's the expectation for us as Christians, that we understand that we have a hope of something far better. And when we look back at the things that are hard for us, the things that we have to go through, we see it as an opportunity to further the kingdom, just like Paul did. But contentment was the key for him. Contentment was the key for Paul. How he, remained, how he remained content in the hardest of times, in the good times. Philippians 4 and 11, going back to that text that we read earlier, he says, not that I, res- not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. What this tells me about Paul is that it wasn't a natural thing for him to be content. It was something he had to learn. It was something that he had to work towards. That no matter what he went through, he learned how to be content. And I think we have a good idea when you look back. A couple of months ago when I did my lesson on worry, I spent a lot of time in Philippians chapter four. And this verse eight of Philippians chapter four was the last verse I kind of brought up that day. But I think it really goes on to apply here also. Philippians chapter four, eight, he says, he talks about the things that are true, the things that are honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, He says, think on these things. Focus your mind on those things. And then if you go down in verse nine, he says, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. When our focus is not on the world, but instead on God and the good things and the spiritual things, it makes those tough times a little easier to handle, doesn't it? Because God is with us. The God of peace is with us. And it's all about finding the contentment in things that are outside of this world, but in Christ. It's all about looking for that contentment through Christ. When things are hard, we look to Christ. When things are good, we're still looking to Christ. And I think Paul was able to do that because his central focus was Christ. That was his focus in life. When you look at Philippians chapter three and verse 10, I'm sorry, I meant to make this a little bigger, but hopefully you can see this. Philippians chapter three and verse 10, we know that no matter how hard things got for Paul, no matter what he went through, Christ was still his focus. That was what he aimed to please. It wasn't pleasing himself. It wasn't about him. It was about Christ. Philippians chapter three, verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus, because I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now listen to this. He says, I press toward the mark for the, high, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Where was his focus? Where was his direction? It was on 
Christ. It was pressing forward, continuing to do God's will, no matter what he had to endure. It was all about Christ, not about him at all. When too many in the world, in the religious world today, say Philippians 4.13 is all about me, what I see from this is Paul is saying it's all about God. It's all about Christ. It's all where our focus was. And we know Paul's focus was on Christ. Galatians 2 and verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I get that song in my head and I'm trying not to. We sing that song, don't we? But Paul is saying, he, he, what this verse is saying is it's not about me anymore. I gave all that up. It's all about Christ. I don't live for myself. I live for Christ. That's why I do what I do. Because he died for me. He gave himself for me. And I think when you look back at Matthew 13 and 44, and we talk about the pearl of great price, Trevor mentioned that in his prayer this morning. When I think of the pearl of great price, I think there's no better example of somebody who searched for that pearl of great price and gave up everything for it than Paul. I think he's the perfect example. When you read that, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, Paul gave up everything. Paul suffered Everything he went through was okay because he found his pearl of great price, and that was Christ. That was his focus. That's what he worked towards. That was his motivation. Can we say the same thing for us today? Have we made Christ that pearl of great price? Have we put everything else in the background and put him forefront in our, in our lives so what can we learn from this verse? And I think the first thing that we have to go back and understand is what does do and do all things mean? What does that mean? What is he actually talking about when he talks about doing all things? I'm able to do all things. You know, when you look at um, do in the dictionary, I've never really looked up do in the dictionary. I always kind of thought I had an idea of what that meant. But there's a lot of verses for do, or not verses, but a lot of definitions for do. You could read all day, it seems like. But really, when you go through those, they kind of break down in about two different categories. The first one, I think, applies to Philippians 4.13, kind of pulled out of context. And that first one, it's all about performing, executing, accomplishing, rendering, bringing to being. It's all about doing whatever we want in Christ. I can do anything. But when you look at the context of Philippians chapter 4.13 and you understand that Paul's talking about times in his life when he was brought low or when he was abounding, when he had a lot, a lot of, of things and when he was hungry, when he had abundance or when he was in need. When you look at it in that context, it kind of falls more into that group B where it talks about to serve, to suffice, to endure. You see, it's not about him doing what he wants. 
It was all about him doing or enduring what he had to while remaining content and still serving God. And that's what it was about. That's what it was all about. You see, through Christ, he could be content and he could endure no matter what environment surrounded him. No matter, and I th- we can apply the same thing to us. We can, if we don't like our job, we can endure that. If we're being called names because we serve Christ, we can endure that. No matter what the environment is around us, we can endure if our focus is on Christ, just like Paul's was. And that means we can endure the tough times. You know, as we go into 2020, I'll tell you my year hasn't started out the best. Somebody backed into my, my truck the other day. And, but you know, that, that's just something minor. And when we think about it in the grand scheme of things, what's a bent up car door when I have Christ? You see, we can endure the tough times through Christ. I can endure hunger through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure devastation, whatever that devastation is. I can endure that through Christ who strengthens me. I can remain content. I can continue to serve God no matter what happens in my life because I have something that's far better. I have a hope of something that's so much more valuable. You know, Romans 8 and 35, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or tribulation or distress or, Ah, I read that again, or nakedness or peril or sword. And it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted for sheep for the slaughter. We're gonna go through bad times, but I want you to see what he says. It kind of mimics Philippians 4.13. In verse 37, he says, nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. No matter what I have to endure, no matter what happens in 2020, no matter what bad thing happens, I can be okay because I have Christ. And I can tell you that's more powerful than me being able to be better to accomplish some personal goal. Knowing that I have Christ is far better. And nothing can take him away from us except for ourselves. You see, when we have our treasure based on things of this earth, those can be taken away and that can be devastating to us. But when our treasure is in heaven, that can't be taken away. And that helps us to understand that when those bad times come, that we can make it through. Romans 12, 12, it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. In those tough times, we understand the hope through Christ. It helps us to be patient in that affliction. And we can, be, we can have that relationship with him in prayer that will help us through those tough times. But we can also handle the good times. You know, Paul talked about the good and the bad, no matter what he went through. And sometimes those good times, that's when we kind of let that leash get a little distant from God. That's when maybe our prayer life suffers a little bit. We don't study as much. Maybe we don't go and serve others the way that we should because things are going pretty good. But we have to learn to be content and we also have to learn to trust God and put our faith in God even in the good times. We need to learn to be content with what we have. We need to continue in that prayer and study and we need to find others to serve even when things are going really well in our lives. 
no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what the environment, let's put our trust in God and live a Christ-centered life. Because when we think about Christ, we understand that he is the source for everything that we are. He created us. John 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was, was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. We wouldn't be here without God. Every good gift comes from him. James 1 and 17, it says, every good, and every, per- every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow in turning. When I think of the good things and the good gifts, I, I kind of tend to gravitate towards those physical things. But the most important gift that we have is the fact that, his, that God sent his son to die on the cross for us, that we could be forgiven of our sins. And when those tough times come, We're not focused on the worldly things. We're focused on the spiritual and we can endure anything because Christ is there for us. Christ will give us strength through the hope that we have in him, through his word. A godly life can only come through him. Second Peter one, beginning verse three, it says, according as his divine power have given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See again, the only way that we can live a godly life is through Christ. The only way that we can have salvation is through Christ because he died on the cross for us. And because of that, we have hope to make it through anything, the good and the bad. And that's when he becomes our motivation. Again, Paul is a great example of this. Philippians 3 and verse 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted, for, I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul saying, all the things I lost were worthless because I have something far better. I have a hope in something far better. And that was his motivation to know that no matter what he had to endure, no matter what he had to go through, if the kingdom was advancing, that's what he needed to do. That was his purpose. That was his motivation. And our motivation, everything that, that we say, we think we do should be based on a motivation to do the will of God, just like Paul did. And that's when we glorify him in all we do. Psalms 1, 15 and 1, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. We need to glorify God in everything we do. Hebrews 13 and 20, he says, now the God, but again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. You know how we glorify God? We do his will. We do what he has asked us to do. And he becomes our focus. And we do what he has asked us and that pleases him. See, it's not about us anymore. It's not about what I want. It's not what I can gain from Christ. It's what 
I can endure and continue to be content and continue to serve God in that situation. That's what Philippians 4.13 is all about. And we can do that because we can live by the hope that comes through Jesus Christ. Psalms 118 and verse six, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear what can man do unto me. Then Jesus in Matthew 5 and 12, he says, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. What a wonderful, uplifting verse Philippians 4.13 can be when we look at it in its context. To know that when we come or when we go through things this year, whether good or bad, it's not about us. It's not about what we can gain. It's not about what we can do. It's what can we endure? What can we get through? How can we live our life in a content way in service to God no matter what? And I hope as we go throughout this year, we remember that. And we use this verse to help us no matter what we experience. If you're here this morning and you have never obeyed the gospel, this is your opportunity to have this peace that can come through him to know that you can make it through anything, the tough times, the good times, whatever may come, you can have Christ, and that's what's most important to you. You can obey the gospel, you can be baptized with him, and you can start over. You can be forgiven of your sins. Or maybe you've come to a point, maybe, maybe 2019 was hard for you, maybe you went through a lot of tough times and they were hard to endure, but maybe it was, your faith wasn't quite as strong as it needed to be. Or maybe you have some other issue that you need the prayers of the church. We can help you. We can pray for you. We can pray with you if you come to the front as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.